0: Okay.
1: Welcome. We're so glad you're here this week, and we're going to have a great time in the Lord. Amen? This is actually my first time to preach since September 26, I believe it is, and uh, so I get to unload on you. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me tell you what a miracle this is. It's a horrible thing to lose everything you've learned from the Lord for 47 years and not remember any of it, not even remember your family. And uh, some of you may not know what I'm talking about or referring to, but uh, back over a year ago... uh, I went for a checkup, a physical, and found out I had some heart issues. And uh, when we did the stress tests and all of that, he said, I need to um, do some more tests. And when he took me into the hospital, or in his clinic, he said, "Uh, you need to have surgery. And I'm talking right now. Well, that's not something I was expecting, and uh, so my family was there, and, and I really had a witness in my spirit to go through it and to go on and submit to that, and uh, didn't know I had any heart problems at all. And uh, so when we got to the hospital, they determined that there was two main arteries blocked, 90%, wasn't it, Carolyn? 90%? And so they did uh, heart surgery. And uh, I've progressed very well. I've been confessing all these years. First time I heard Brother Hagen say it years ago that with long life he satisfies me. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's
0: right.
1: Now, let me tell you what a miracle this is, even to recall Scripture today. And, uh, you know, you may not can identify with that, but uh, I lost all memory of everything. I couldn't even say my family's names. The only thing I could remember, and why in the world I could remember this, dear God. (laughs) They came in there and they gave me tests, you know, in this last surgery uh, to see how my memory was because I had a stroke during the surgery. And I lost the use of my right arm and, and I lost my memory. And he came in and he said, what is the name of the president of the United States? And they said, I don't remember, but they said, I said, Barack Obama. But I couldn't remember my wife's name. <laughs> and I couldn't remember my daughter's name. And he pointed at Terry and said, What's her name? And I said, I don't know. And uh, in a little while, I said, uh, Terry Obama. (laughs) 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 And so uh, Jerry Ann said, or he said, What's her name? I said, I don't know. And she got up, she said, Daddy, (laughs) you remember my name. I'm your firstborn. I said, Jerry Obama. (laughs) So (laughs) why I would remember Obama, I have no idea. I think because the Holy Ghost knew he was on his way out. I'm not sure. But anyway. (laughs) So anyway, um, so this going back to this first surgery, they told me that I had... Uh, blockage in this artery, this main artery right here in the neck where the blood flows to the brain and so forth. And it too was 75 to 90% blocked and that I needed to come back in a year or so and have surgery here. And so that's what I went in for this last time. Now the heart surgery, I recovered, I mean quickly. It was supernatural. In fact, when I went back to the doctor, he said his exact words, your recovery has been magical. Can you explain this? And so I explained it, praise God. And, uh, but when I went in on September, what was it? 27th. When I went in on September the 27th to have this surgery and they said it was hereditary and it was a plaque buildup. And that, you know, if you don't, take care of it, that it could cause aneurysm and uh, strokes and all kinds of things. So uh, I went in for this surgery, and he said, the doctor said, that I would probably be out in a day or day and a half, that normally that's the procedure. So I went in thinking I'd be out in a day and a half and wasn't planning on any kind of uh, problems at all. And so um, when they, I, I don't remember any of this, but I think it was like three days, and uh, they said I had a stroke during the surgery, and uh, then I lost all memory. And, uh, of course, I didn't know anybody. I couldn't remember things. And, and that was the worst part was when somebody would come in that I knew I knew, and I couldn't think of their name. You know, or I would, they would give me tests and they put in front of me pictures of a glove or a tree, uh, a a flower or something. I could not think of the name, you know, I couldn't recall. And uh, Carolyn and uh, the family was so precious and uh, Carolyn was taking care of me and and I'd get so frustrated because I couldn't remember things, you know, and I'd, I'd want something, like my lips would get real dry, and I'd want something, but I couldn't think of what to call it, you know, and that's horrible, you know, and uh, so I would point, and, and it was behind me on a table, and it was, and I couldn't turn around, you know, because I'm, I'm, I can't use this arm at all, and I'm in this bed and i 'm all bandaged up and i 'd uh, try to point and i'd try to talk, and she 'd say, "Water no i'd shake my head no and and it was frustrating trying to communicate you know and so uh, anyway, eventually, Brother Copeland came to the hospital and and he I, I remember him being there, but i don 't remember anything he said. I do remember. Uh, wanting him to leave because I needed to go to the bathroom. (laughs) But but no. (laughs) He'd think of another sermon. (laughs) Edit this. I don't want him to get this. Okay. (laughs) And uh, boy, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and I remember him being here. But he was the unique thing, Keith. I couldn't, I couldn't remember things. I couldn't remember any scripture. After 47 years, I couldn't remember scripture. I couldn't remember people's names. And while Brother Copeland was there, the only thing I do remember, I prayed in tongues the whole time. Yeah, I, it was coming out of my spirit, praying in tongues. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen. And whatever he said, I prayed in tongues, getting in line with it. You know. And then the next day, Jesse and Kathy came, and by this time I was I was getting a little better, and uh, of course. You know, Jesse brought joy and faith and everything in with him. You know, and and it was wonderful. And I remember uh, when Jesse had to leave, I was I was hugging him and telling him how much I loved him, and I began crying. And Jesse said, "Jerry Savelle is making me cry." <laughs> he said, "I don't ever cry," you know. And uh, so it was real special with with them coming and praying and so forth. But every day I began to get a little better. And uh, they were giving me tests and so forth and trying to get me to, you know, use my arm. And, and, and I would raise it up like this. And, and i try to do my fingers and hands and stretch them out and so forth. And, and I overheard one of the doctors or technicians or somebody say, well, if he shows some improvement tomorrow, we'll let him go. I determined then, whatever I had to do. If they wanted me to do backflips, if they wanted me, if they wanted me to remember everything Brother Copeland said, I would do it, you know. But I was getting out of that hospital, and so uh, the next day they came in and they did some tests and they released me, and uh, I still didn't have total use of my arm and everything. And so I got home and, and one of the first things I did, I said, where's Rachel? Rachel, uh, I said, Rachel, take me out to my shop where my motorcycles are. And so, uh, and my classic cars. And I, I, un, I unlocked the door. I'm standing there looking at all this. And I walked over to the first motorcycle this is horrible Keith, this is horrible I wouldn't pray this on anybody I couldn't remember how to start it <laughs> and I just stood there and looked at it I couldn't remember how to start it and I turned and I said I'll not leave this shop until I start this motorcycle so I, I stood there and I studied that thing for quite some time and finally I got it started And then I went to every motorcycle in that shop and I went to every car in that shop and I started everything in there, praise God. And so every day I would go to that shop and God was bringing me back to my remembrance.
0: You
1: know, Uh, I would stand there and just look and I'd I'd start remembering things, you know. And then I'd start remembering scripture. And uh, it would come to me but I, I wouldn't be able to say where it was. But I could think of the verse, but I couldn't tell you where it was located. But then every day I started confessing the memory of the upright is blessed. Yes. The memory of the upright is blessed. Yes. And I'd start confessing every morning when I'd get up that the Holy Spirit brings all things to my remembrance. Right. That I will I will not allow anything that god has taught me in the last 47 years to slip my mind That's right. amen and it started coming back Come then all of a sudden i started getting sermons praise amen. god started getting sermons and i'd have to sit there for a long time i could think of the verse but it take me a long time to find it you know and uh, then that started coming back and then every every day uh, I'd, I'd start getting sharper. And uh, finally, I decided that uh, one of my favorite places on the planet is Hawaii. Yes.
0: Amen.
1: During the millennium, I will be governor of those islands. <laughs> and uh, where's Wayne? Wayne? Wayne bought me a hat that's got all the islands on it and it says governor. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, Uh, I told Carolyn, I said, uh, I've got to get away. You know, my office is next door, and I kept being pulled over there, but I wasn't ready to go there yet. And, you know, there's things going on around the house, and I really couldn't rest, and so I said, I'm going to Hawaii. And usually, October is the off-season for Hawaii. We all, I mean, I've never had a problem getting a hotel you know call that day and get a hotel room my favorite hotel my favorite room and that every hotel on the island was booked and um, anyway i finally got there somebody at uh, word of life uh, helped me to get a room and we got there and i, I, I started my walking every day it's the same walk i've done for 40 years and and i started my walk every day and I had my headset on, and I decided to help me remember. I went back and got all my Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, T.L. Osborne, all Roberts messages from the 60s and the 70s. And I listened to them every morning while I was walking. And then I started, my memory started coming back. You know, My memory started coming back the word is medicine to your flesh. And the word is medicine to your flesh. So I was there, you know, five or six days and, and came back home. And I didn't let anybody know I was there, uh, you know, just relaxing and recovering. And, and uh, when we got back home, uh, everything's improving. I got total use of my arm back, praise God, Hallelujah. You know, uh, my memory's coming back every day. Praise God. And I am more grateful today for the Word of God than I've ever been in my life. Amen. I've loved, I've loved, I have loved this book almost 48 years now. And it has never been more precious to me than it is right now. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So that's in a nutshell what's been going on in the last couple of months. And this is my first time to preach, and I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right. All right. So uh, expressing to you the, the events that have taken place uh, in the last couple of months, Let's open our Bibles to Romans 15. Romans 15. You know, I wish I could... I may start crying over this, but I wished as I was walking every day and listening to Brother Hagin, those old messages, I kept wishing... I could just walk up to him one more time and say, Thank you, Brother Hagan, for not compromising. Thank you for teaching us the word of faith. How many of you are grateful for the word of faith amen and the, and the and the men that have brought it to you the men the women that have brought it to you i I kept thinking what a what a blessed life I've lived of, you know of knowing these men, preaching with these men, calling, calling them friend. What an what a honor, what a blessed life I've enjoyed, praise God. Amen. And even in the natural, now I'm not, I'm not settling for this, but even the doctors say, and this is not what I'm settling for, but even the doctors say that now that I've got my heart right, you know, my, my surgery and and this plaque removed. They're all saying, "Ah, you got at least twenty more years." <laughs> so that would make me—I'll I'll be uh, seventy in December next month. So that would make me ninety, according to the doctors. But like Brother Hagen used to say, if I'm not satisfied, I'm just going to keep going. Yes. Praise God amen. amen. Right. Hallelujah. So let's look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Now the God of hope, well, we can camp out right there. The God of hope. Everybody say that with me, the God of hope. The God of hope. Say, that's the, God I serve. that's the God I serve. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost, the God of hope. The New Living Translation says it this way. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Today, I can testify that I am completely filled with with joy and peace because I trust in him. Hallelujah. Amen. And notice once again, it says the source of hope. The source of hope. John chapter one and verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So God and his word are one in the same. Can you say amen? amen? Therefore, the Word can do anything God can do. Amen. God's Word, if God himself is the source of hope, then that would make the Word the source of hope. Yes. Amen. When, I, when I was able to get back into the Word and recall Scripture that I'd learned all these years, I noticed two things happening. Faith was arising and hope for the future. Yes. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Faith was arising because faith cometh by hearing yes. and hearing by the Word of God. Yes. But hope for the future. Come on. Amen. 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 Hope. God is the source of hope. Yes. And the Word and God being one and the same, that makes the Word also the source of hope yes. amen I have hope today yeah. praise amen. God I have hope that I will finish my course with joy yeah. the devil fired his best shot and it didn't work
0: right amen oh. hallelujah
1: amen only slowed me down a little bit but I'm back I'm back hallelujah hallelujah I decided that I would uh, remove everything from my schedule for the rest of the year, and just get in the Word and just build my faith and build my hope. Uh, brother, I want you to know, 2017, I'm going to come out.
0: Come on, hallelujah. hallelujah!
1: Firing both barrels, hallelujah! Praise God. Amen. Jesus declared in John 6:61. 6, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The new century version says they give life. They give life. Why would anyone go any other way than the word if the word gives life? Amen. Amen. I mean, even the doctor said, you know... uh, uh, when he used the words, "Your recovery has been magical." Can you explain this? I said, "Yes, sir, I can." I, I, I appreciate what you did, and I appreciate your expertise, and I appreciate you know your education in 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 medicine. But I wasn't looking to you. I look into God. Amen. 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 God is the source of hope. My hope of recovering is in him. Hallelujah. And he was okay with that. Praise God. In fact, he was a Muslim, but one of the best in the field. And he's even developed techniques today that are uh, unique to heart surgery, and he used them on me. And I thank God for his expertise. But do you know? Now, I don't have any idea. I suppose that it would cost at least a quarter of a million dollars for heart surgery. But this man was so impressed with the God of hope and my faith in him, he didn't charge me anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, come on. <laughs> Glory to God. It's been over a year and I still ain't got a bill. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Praise God. God is the source of hope. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they are life. And once again, the new century version says, they give life. I confess every day that God and his word is giving me life. It's restoring life. I learned back there, I heard Brother Copeland first, then he introduced me to Brother Hagin. But he told me that he learned this from Brother Hagin, that confession brings possession. And boy, that's that's been stirring in me again. It's, it's, it's ignited my spirit again, like it did the first time I heard it. Confession brings possession. Amen. Confession brings possession. And so I've been confessing that his word is giving me life, that his word is restoring life unto me. And that principle is still working today just like it started working for me 47 years ago. I confess that God is the source of my hope and he's the source of my total recovery. Say that with me. God's the source of my hope. The of my hope. Look at somebody and tell them, God is, the God is the source of my hope. Another verse that became very dear to me over the last few weeks and I've quoted it earlier, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 7, the memory of the upright or the just is blessed. The memory of the just is blessed. I can't think of anything more horrible than not remembering something you've learned for 47 years, the word that you can't remember the Word. You can't remember the things God's taught you. 47 years I've been studying the Word, preaching the Word. Almost 48. And to not be able to remember the Word, and that's been the source of my strength, the source of, uh, of, of uh, my financial blessings. Uh, I mean, everything that represents success in my life, the Word was responsible. And you can't remember the Word? I I came out of that hospital saying, that's not going to (laughs) work. I'm not having this. Amen. And I thank God. I thank God that I I never got rid of those old tapes. Still had them on reel-to-reel had them downloaded on my iPod. I've got 1,200 sermons that I can carry around in this shirt pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, T.L. Osborne, and Oral Roberts. Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. To not be able to remember that that God has taught you, I can't think of anything more tragic. But I was not going to accept that. Amen. On, Amen. So the Word says that the memory of the just is blessed. Amen. And I got up confessing that every morning, and I have continued to do so. I confessed it this morning, and my memory has improved every day. And, and, and sometimes I'll just be walking around, and all of a sudden, Scripture starts coming back to me, and, and not only what it says, but where it's located, Hallelujah. amen, and I'll go sit down and look it up again and, and, and uh, write it down again, and uh, just like I'm starting all over from 47 years ago, praise God, and I'm telling you, I have, I've always loved the Word, but I have a new appreciation for it today, praise the Lord. I don't know how people live without it. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go there. Proverbs chapter 4. How am I doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life. They are life. They are life. Somebody shout, "They They are life. They are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. The literal Hebrew says, medicine to the flesh. The dictionary defines medicine as something that treats, prevents, or alleviates the symptoms of disease. It also gives the definition as a healing substance. So the Bible is telling us that God's word is a healing substance. I don't think I would be standing here today if it was not for the Word of God. Yes. I certainly wouldn't be preaching if it was not for the Word of God.
0: That's right. Come on.
1: It's healing to my flesh. Yes. A healing substance. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Right. So you could say the Word... Is that healing substance. The more word you put into you, the greater the effect it will have on your flesh. Amen. The more word you put into you, the greater effect it will have on your flesh. Now realize this is basic to all of us, but you need to hear it again.
0: Amen. The
1: Bible warns us of letting things slip. Amen. Proverbs chapter four and verse 22 from God's word translation says God's word heals the whole body. God's word heals the whole body. The Weldon commentary says the pure words of God are healthful and life-giving and a healing medicine. A healing medicine. So you could say, doses every day keeps the devil away. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doses every day will keep the devil away. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Well, if it'll produce salvation, as miraculous as that is, Come on. then couldn't it have an effect on your body as well? Come on. The gospel is the power of God. Amen. It's the power of God. The word contains the power to heal. Yes. Proverbs 4.22, once again, it's health to all your flesh. Romans 1 the new living translation, it is the power of God at work. And the new century version says, it is the power God uses. Hallelujah. The word of God is the power that God uses. He sent his word and healed them. So that means the word is the power that God uses. His word was with power, the New Testament says. Can you say amen? Amen. Power in the Greek is dunamis or dinamis, and it's used 120 times in the New Testament describing the power of God. It refers to strength, Ability, and the English word that comes from this Greek word is dynamite. I love one of the definitions that I found for dynamite, something potentially dangerous. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He sent his word and healed them. It's dangerous to the devil. Amen. It's medicine to our flesh. It's potentially dangerous. It's capable of destroying the works of the devil. That's the reason sickness and disease had to bow when Jesus spoke the word. Go with me to Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight. Thank you. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, the first time I ever preached with Kenneth Copeland, Jacksonville, Florida, 1972, and he started having me do all the morning services, and, and I drove, look at this, my memory's coming back, yeah. See? Yeah. I drove, <clears throat> now that was one of the things I, I was always, uh, always loved about Brother Hagan. He, he could remember sermons that he preached in 1949 and where they were and everything. And and I determined to be like that. And that was one, one of the things that people would say to me all the time was, how can you remember all that? Every sermon, you know? And uh, so I, I was driving Brother Copeland's car, carrying all the sound system down to Jacksonville Beach, Florida, all the tapes and all that, you know, 1972. And on the way down there, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, are you ready? I said, for what? He said, be ready. And he didn't explain to me. So I just assumed that it had to do with something with the Word, you know, and preaching. Now back then, In all of Brother Copeland's meetings, after each service, I went to the streets and I witnessed and I won hundreds of people to the Lord and brought them back into the meetings for the next service. So I assumed that it had something to do with the soul winning things that I was doing back then. And so when I got to the hotel in Jacksonville, uh, I went over to the auditorium, the Beaches Auditorium, I don't remember that. <laughs> and uh, I set up the sound system, got everything ready. We we're going to start in the morning, first service. And uh, so I went back to my room, and the Lord said, Are you ready? I said, For what? He said, Be ready. So I got in my Bible, and I'm looking over notes that I'd taken from. Brother Hagen's messages and Brother Copeland's messages. and I, I uh, outlined all those tapes I listened to. And I'm looking at all these messages. And I came up on a message that Brother uh, Copeland preached that was my favorite message. And uh, I was looking at the notes, and it was from Matthew chapter 5. And the Lord said, are you ready to preach this? I said, well, Lord, uh, I don't I don't preach in these meetings. I, I witness. <laughs> he said, but are you ready to preach? I said, I am. Now, I'd go out and do some other meetings, you know, but Brother Copeland's meetings, he did all the services. And back then, we would go not for a couple of days. We'd go sometimes three weeks, and he preached three services a day, you know, and so uh, he said, "Are you ready?" So the next morning I got up. <clears throat> my normal job was to go get Brother Copeland, put him in the car, and take him to the meeting, and not say a word. He learned that from Oral Roberts. And uh, we didn't talk. If he did, if there was any talking, he started it. And he told me when I went to work with him, if you go to talking at the wrong time, it could cost you your job. So I kept quiet because <laughs> I like my job. And uh, so when we got in the car, I just, I'd knock on his door and I'd say, You ready, sir? I'm ready. Get in the car, and that's the last thing he'd hear me say unless he started talking. And I might add, it's still that way today. And uh, so he calls me and he said, are you ready? I said, I'll be there shortly. He said, no, that's not what I mean. Are you ready? I said, yes, sir. I'm on my way out the door right now. No, are you ready? I said, I thought the right answer was yes, I'm ready. So I just said, yes, I'm ready. He said, all right, you're preaching this morning. I said, I am? He said, yes. And uh, he said, "Uh, come and get me. I said, well, why do I need to get you if I'm preaching this morning? He said, I want to introduce you. I said, I don't need an introduction. I thought, I won't remember my name if Kenneth Copeland's sitting right there next to me, you know. And I don't know anything but what I've learned from him, you know, and Brother Hagin, Brother Roberts. And uh, so he said, come get me. So I took him over to the meeting and he had me to sit on the platform, rather than out in the audience. And uh, he said, uh, most of you have seen Jerry running around here helping me and all this in previous meetings. And he said, uh, today we're going to launch Jerry's ministry and he's going to be preaching all the morning services. He said, so welcome Brother Jerry. And Brother Copeland sat right next to the podium. Crossed his leg and put them piercing eyes right on me. I walked up there and I said, are you leaving? He said, no. I said, well, we don't need you right now. He said, I'm going to listen to you preach. I couldn't remember my name, much less my sermon. You know, knowing those eyes are focused on me, fastened on me. And this is the message I preached from Matthew chapter 5. And this was my favorite message of Brother Copeland's, the greatest faith, the greatest faith. Amen. Amen. And I preached it, and when I got through, Kenneth Copeland got up and said, boy, why didn't you tell me that a long time ago? I said, what? He said, I learned something today that I didn't know. I thought, look out, here we come, praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. So this was the first sermon I ever preached with Kenneth Copeland was from Matthew chapter 5. So let's read it right here. And verse, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant, lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. I've not seen this kind of faith. Not even in Israel. Not even among you know the people that should be demonstrating that kind of faith. This was a centurion. The the Jews considered him a dog. You know the centurion he said speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. I don't need for you to come to my house. I don't need to see you lay hands on him. You speak the word only and that'll do it." He recognized authority. He recognized power. He recognized words that carried power and authority. He said to Jesus, I recognize authority. I'm paraphrasing. I I recognize authority when I see it because I too have authority. I tell a man to do this and he does it just by my words. I tell a man come and he comes just because of what I just said. Amen. I recognize authority and I recognize authoritative words and you carry authority and your words carry authority. So you don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Amen. And Jesus said, turned to his own men and said, I have not seen this kind of faith, not even in Israel. So the greatest faith is confidence in the word and its authority alone. Needing no other evidence. Amen. Needing no other evidence outside of the word of god now i brought this scripture up because this man in his mind the word and the power to heal were one and the same amen the word of god and the power to heal were one and the same if he could just get jesus to speak the word he needed no other evidence as far as he was concerned, that settles it. If you never get to the place in your life where the Word of God and its authority alone settles everything, you will struggle for the rest of your life. Right. Amen. Amen. Amen? You'll struggle with your faith for the rest of your life. Years ago, when Carolyn and I first moved to Fort Worth to, to come to work with Brother Copeland, we left Shreveport, Louisiana carrying a bunch of junk in a U-Haul trailer and half of it fell out on a interstate 20 and I was so embarrassed I just left it there you know it's just junk and uh, we we moved to fort worth we arrived here and we were trying to find a place to to move into didn't have very much money and I uh, wanted to be close to brother Copeland's office out on berry street and found a little old house that was for rent, and um, they wanted a hundred dollars upfront deposit and a hundred dollars a month to rent this place and It was a dump. I mean it I, I think we moved in just before they nailed the condemned sign on it, and it was a dump, but it was the best that we could do, and uh, we didn't have a stove. We didn't have uh, a lot of furniture, uh, and some of the junk had bounced out on the highway, and we left it there. And and uh, so we need everything. And I'm leaving the next day to go start my traveling with Kenneth Copeland, and my first trip is going to be three weeks long. And by the time I got the electric on, you know, money to put the electric on and uh, uh, got a few things that Carolyn needed and the girls were just not very old and uh, I got to leave the next day and I left her with $3 Now I'm going to be gone for three weeks. That's all I had, $3. I felt like a hill. My, my daddy didn't teach me much scripture growing up but he did teach me a man that don't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. That's the only scripture I could remember. And I never liked being an infidel, you <laughs> know, whatever that is. But anyway, it just didn't sound good. you a little infidel. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> like the sign <sound> of that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so I felt, I felt like a dog, man, leaving my family with $3 and I'm going to be gone three weeks. You know, and and uh, so I took off the next morning, headed to uh, Virginia, Roanoke, Virginia, in that area up there, Portsmouth, Virginia, my first trip. Man, I'm glad my memory's coming back. Praise God. And uh, so I, I turned to Carolyn and I said, sweetheart, I'm sorry. This is the best I can do, $3. She said, You don't worry about me and you don't worry about the girls. God's going to take care of us. We are finally in the perfect will of God and he's not going to leave us and forsake us. Amen. So that was on a Saturday morning when I left and she went to Grace Temple the next day in her cut down maternity dress because that's all she owned because she'd had two babies one after the other You know. And she went to church in that cut-down maternity dress. And before she left there, somebody put some money in her pocket, but she didn't know it until she got home, and she was hanging that dress up. And she reached in her pocket and found, uh, how much was it? $20 in her pocket. She went back to church that night and gave the tithe off of it. And and God God took care of her. In fact, he took better care of her than he did me <laughs> out of my room. <laughs> the first the 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 first two weeks we were gone. We were in this little hotel that the the walls were so thin you could hear people three rooms down talking. <laughs> And Brother Copeland and Gloria were next door to me. And I'm trying to be super quiet, you know, not make any noise. Because I could hear them over there, you know. And and I'd try to be as quiet as I could, you know. And uh, so the first two weeks, now it's time for paycheck. And I'm thinking, well, we get paid today. Praise God. And Brother Copeland told me his opening remarks when I showed up at his office reporting for duty He opened with these words, in the natural, I can't afford you. I thought, well, (laughs) good day to you too. You know, I mean, in the natural, I can't afford you. And if you ever get a paycheck, it would be because you use your faith. We use our faith around here. I said, well, I've been doing that before I got here and I'll keep doing it. He said, all right. Just remember, if you ever get paid, it'd be because you use your faith. So two weeks, my first two weeks, and now it's payday, Brother Copeland calls me. You been using your faith? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, Daddy just called, and after he paid the bills, there's no money left for your pay, uh, payroll. And I wanted to ask, but I didn't. Uh, are you getting paid? Or is it just me? Am I the only one not getting paid around here? But I didn't ask that, you know. And, but I, I wanted to know if he was using his faith too, you know. So He said, Daddy just paid the bills and there wasn't enough money to pay you. He said, are you using your faith? I said, yes, sir. And so when he hung up, man, I don't care. If I keep him up all night. Now I'm walking that floor confessing scriptures at the top of my voice. I'd run into the wall over here and I'd run into the wall over here. I confessed everything I knew. And we went on the next day and the meeting and the next day and the meeting. And three days later, when we're going to some other city, he says, By the way, Daddy called. That evening and said as he was leaving the office, there was a man standing outside. Daddy had already locked the door and he forgot something and went back to his office. And there was a guy standing out at the door. And when daddy opened the door, he said, am I too late? He said, for what? He said, I brought an offering and I tried to get over here earlier, but I couldn't. But here, take this. I don't want to take it home with me. Take this. And he said and daddy said it was enough to make your paycheck. I said, well, why didn't you tell me that three days ago? I'm still thinking I hadn't got paid. Man, I'm confessing the maps now. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm confessing the table of contents. I mean, I've run out of scripture. I've confessed everything in the Bible. And he hadn't told me that I got paid. You know? And so, so I said, why didn't you tell me that three days ago? He said, well, we, when I hung up on you three days ago, you went to praying. Glory and I could hear you. We heard you all night. And Glo- I told Gloria, I said, Gloria, listen to that boy praying. Listen to that boy speaking the word. He said, I told Glory, let's not tell him it manifested yet. He'll believe in next week's too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So the word covers it all. Amen. Notice this man decided that all he needed was the word. Have you ever come to that place in your life that all you need is the word? all you need is the Word. Speak the Word only. In this man's mind, the power to heal and the Word were one and the same. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. You need to understand that your body was made by the Word of God, and it's designed even to this day to respond to it. Amen? Your body was created by the Word of God, and even to this day, it's designed by God to respond to it. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Wouldn't that include your body? Say, my body, my body was created by the Word. Was by the Word. Therefore, Therefore it's, obligated it's obligated to respond to the Word. To
0: to the Word.
1: Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, the common English Bible says, everything came into being through the Word. The good news Bible says, <clears throat> the Word was the source of life. And the new living translation says, the word gave life to everything. The word gave life to everything. So if your body was created by the word, wouldn't it stand to reason that it is still obligated to respond to the word? Amen. You know, one of the things that has happened now, I said this earlier, I've never lost my my love for the Word. I've never lost my desire for the Word. But when you're alive today because of the Word, it takes your appreciation to another level. Amen. It takes your appreciation to another level. I know I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for the Word of God. I've got a new appreciation for it. Praise God. And I've always loved it. But I love it more today than I've ever loved it before. Now listen to this scripture. Or I've quoted it earlier. The word is medicine to your flesh. The word is medicine to your flesh. If the doctor prescribes a certain medicine for you, then if you follow the instructions, your body should respond.
0: That's right.
1: Is that correct? If you if you have been given a medicine and you are told to take it twice a day for the next three weeks, then that should produce results. But if you go back three weeks later and he asks you if you took the medicine, no then whose fault is it that your body didn't respond? That's That's or you, you got tired of taking it.
2: Come on. Come on. You know, they
1: put me on blood thinner. I don't like it. Because every time I bump my hand or something, I get bruised up and, and I don't even know when I did it because of that blood thinner. Now I plan to get off next appointment, (laughs) you know, but you know, I'm using that as an illustration. He tells me to take the blood thinner because it does certain things, but if I ignore it and I don't do it and I certainly don't have a revelation of the word, then whose fault is it that the healing process is not taking place. His word is medicine to your flesh. Say it with me. His word word is medicine to to my flesh. flesh. I got up this morning. No, you didn't have to say that part. (laughs) (laughs) And I I looked over there on the the, uh, vanity in the bathroom and I saw that blood thinner. And sometimes I just don't want to do it. sometimes I, I think I'll do it later. And then I thought, you know, that's the way most people are about the Word of God. I'll do it later. And later it seems to never come. Amen? Now, I'm doing this, taking that blood thinner, because the doctor told me to. But soon, he's going to tell me I don't have to take it. But until that time, it'd be to my advantage to take it. Because there's a healing process taking place. Yeah, amen. Amen. amen? You get a little frustrated sometimes because you don't see things happening as quickly as you want them to happen. And you know the Word is the source. The Word's the answer. And you think, I'll do it later. I don't have time today. I already know all this stuff, and yet you're not getting results, and a lot of people get upset with God, and he is not the problem, and you say amen? amen. Now, the most common way, the most common, it's not the only way, the most common way for taking medicine, and let's remember, it's medicine to your flesh. Is how In the mouth Amen. The most common way of taking medicine is by mouth. God's word must get in your mouth. It's got to get in your mouth if it is to affect the rest of the body. Romans 10:8 says, "But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So the word has got to be in your mouth and it's got to be in your heart to have an effect on your body. Can you say amen? amen. Putting the word in your heart and in your mouth gives you control over your entire body. James 3 Verse two, the Amplified says, and if anyone never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character able to control his whole body. Yes. Amen. Come on. Amen. Get the word in your heart, get the word in your mouth, and it gives you control over your own body. When when I overheard one of the doctors say, "If he shows improvement tomorrow, we'll release him." I turned to someone in the room there. I think it was uh, Rachel, and uh, I said, "Where's my robe?" Keith and Phyllis sent me a a robe, and and it looks like uh, it came from London. Prince Charles, it, it's a robe Prince Charles wears, Praise God. Man, I, I would walk in them halls in class. You know? <laughs> I said, get me my robe. And, and they brought me my robe. I think it was Rachel. She put the robe on. I got my robe on. And I, I can't use this arm. That thing's just dangling there you know and and I'd have to ho- pick it up like this and I got that robe on because I'm not wearing that stupid thing that yeah. you, yeah. you right. bottom shows <laughs> me walking down the high mooning everybody you know I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not going to do that <laughs> you know? I've seen some ugly ones in there. And, you know. <laughs> and all, these, all these nurses love me. I don't want them to be against me now. You know, so I got that fancy robe on that Keith and Phyllis sent me. And, and I said, all right, I'm going to go walk. I'm walking. And I can't walk real good. And I don't have any use of this arm. And I grabbed that arm, and put it up here like this, and started walking slowly, you know, and and speaking the word. You know. And I made a whole lap around that place, and she thought I was ready to go back in the room. I said, No, I'm gonna do it again. And I kept making laps around that place. It was medicine to my flesh. Yes. Speaking the word yes. and acting on it. Yes. Yes. Faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is void of power. Amen. And I'm acting. So what am I doing? I am taking control of my body by speaking the Word of God. When I went out in that shop, I was taking control over my mind and not letting my failure to remember how to start a motorcycle control me. I wasn't going to leave that shop until I figured it out. And that's, I mean, that's a simple thing. When you've been riding motorcycles since you're 14 years old, you don't forget how to start one. But I had no recollection of how to start that motorcycle. But I was determined that I wasn't leaving that building until I figured it out. And boy, in a little while, there was roar going on in that building, but I started every one of them, hallelujah. Amen. So what am I doing? I'm taking control over my body
0: with the Word of God,
1: speaking the right things. The Bible says you take control over your body. The word control means the power to direct. It means to exercise authority over to influence, to regulate, and to restrain. Somebody said the other day that Carolyn had sent them a photo of me walking down that hallway, and, and, and I'm doing this. I, I can hardly do it, but I'm making myself do something. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna let that arm stay in that condition. And I, I, sometimes I had to do it like this and just make myself. They, they gave me clay, and they put pennies in it and, and told me to get those pennies out of there, work that clay, and I couldn't do it. And it gets so frustrating. And the, the, the thing you want to do is throw the clay out in the street. <laughs> but then you're not taking control. And I was determined that I have control here. Amen. And the Bible says in James that when you're speaking the right things, and the right things is the Word of God, that you take control over your body. You regulate your body. They, They told me I wouldn't be driving for quite some time. But I was driving, oh, and about, what, nearly two weeks before they projected that I'd ever be able to drive. I thought, oh, dear God, God's blessed me with all these cars, and they're sitting out here. I'm getting in one of them. And, and I went to drive, it, and I've been driving ever since, praise God. Amen. And I'm doing a motorcycle trip next week. I'm in control, not the devil. So no wonder Satan hopes you'll never get the Word in you because it's healing to your flesh. I strongly encourage you to get a fresh revelation of the power of the Word of God.
0: Man, I'm so grateful
1: that Kenneth Copeland came 1969 preached to hundreds of people but there's only a handful that grabbed hold of it and I was one of the handful and I'm so grateful that Kenneth Hagin never stopped preaching the word of faith and I'm so grateful that your daddy, Oral Roberts preached the uncompromising word of God I'm so grateful that T.L. Osborne Those were my mentors and I'm still feeding on and and it's, it's, it's like listening to it all over again. It's doing the same thing on the inside of me that it did almost 48 years ago. Praise God. Amen. Now I'll close it with this. What time is it? I should have closed a long time ago or what? I'm good. Bring me that bag. Bring me a chair. I hope you don't mind me doing this, Richard. Lindsay, yeah, right there. Lindsay uh, sent over to me a pair of Oil Robert shoes. My spiritual grandfather. I loved I I if there's any man that loved Oral Roberts more than me, I'd like to meet him. And she sent over a pair of Oral Roberts shoes. And I've been telling Richard they've, they got lost. I don't know where they, where they are because <laughs> I got to give them back. <laughs> Help me put these on. And in addition to speaking the word, I'd keep these in my study at home. And when I'd go in there, I'd put them on. And I'd say, An anointed man of God owned these shoes. A healing evangelist owned these shoes. And just like that old gravesite where the prophet was thrown into when someone else fell in there it raised him from the dead so that anointing was still there i said this anointing is still in these shoes hallelujah praise god they're a little big for me but i'm growing in the anointing <laughs> I'm increasing in the anointing. Hallelujah. And I would put these shoes on and I'd walk around in my house and I'd say, Lord, you used oil Roberts in 1957 when I was a young boy, 11 years old. and watching him on TV to call me into the ministry. Now, I fought that. I didn't answer the call. I didn't want to be a minister, but I knew it was in my heart since 1957. And finally, in 1969, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, one of my greatest desires was to be able to shake hands with Oral Roberts and just say, thank you, sir. I'm in the ministry today because of you. And what are the odds of that happening? A kid from Shreveport, Louisiana, a paint and body man. What are the odds of that ever happening? Probably thousands of young boys got called into the ministry watching Oral Roberts, never had the opportunity to shake hands with him. What are the odds of that taking place? But I just held on to that as a dream of one day happening. And it happened. And I got called to his office. He saw me preaching. He and Evelyn saw me preaching his message (laughs) called the fourth man in a Kenneth Copeland crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I wasn't even supposed to speak that night. Brother Copeland was going to close out the meeting. He said, Jerry, get up here. God wants you to close the meeting out. I didn't have a clue what I was going to preach. I I was done. I finished my last sermon that afternoon. And I walked up to the platform, and Brother Copeland said, bring me a chair. (laughs) But now I don't respond quite the same way as... I did the first time. He sat right there and watched me. You know. And he sat down in that chair. And when I walked by him, he said, God's given you a message, and you give it to us. And I thought, he has? <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I, walked, I walked up there. I didn't have a clue what I was going to preach. And I just opened my Bible, and it fell open to Daniel. And all of a sudden, I heard the sermon coming out of me that I heard Orr Roberts preach in 1957. The fourth man. And I preached that sermon. The healing power, I mean, it was in manifestation. Brother Copeland jumped up afterwards and he said, I don't know what you got planned on my TV program in the next few weeks, but cancel it and get this message that Jerry just preached on there. And just less than Four weeks later, it was on Brother Copeland's worldwide television broadcast. On Sundays. Back then he wasn't on daily, just weeks, weekends. Sunday it came on. Monday morning I get a call from Ruth Rooks and said, I'm Oral Roberts' secretary. Oral Roberts wants you in his office this morning. He saw you preaching his sermon yesterday. <laughs> and he wants you in his office today. I thought, tell him at the beginning, I told him it was his sermon. I thought, they're going to sue me. You know. And I flew up there and they told me where Ruth Rook's office was and she got on the intercom and said, uh, Jerry Sevel is here. He opened that door and he had Yeah, no, he was a tall man, a big man. And I'd never seen him before except on TV. And when he opened that door and stood there with those arms out like this, he said, come here, my brother. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. I literally turned around and see who else came in the room. (laughs) Me? I said, yes. I said, I thought, that's my line. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. He said, come here. And I walked up to him and he just grabbed me and pulled me into his his chest and began to prophesy over me. And then he said, come in here. And I thought, the lawyers are in here. (laughs) They're going to sue me for preaching a sermon. He sat me down on the sofa. He sat next to me and he said, Evelyn and I were watching Brother Copeland yesterday and we saw you preaching my sermon, the fourth man. He said, I'd heard that you heard the call of God uh, watching my ministry back in the 50s. I said, yes, sir. He said, I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. And he said, I want you to know I have never heard anybody preach that sermon more powerfully than myself. (laughs) And he said, I just want you to know that I believed it was time for you and I to meet and begin a relationship. And from that day, I craved a portion of the anointing that was on that man. And i got his shoes on today. <laughs> now I've seen a lot of healings and a lot of deliverances all over the world. But I believe I have stepped into, and the reason God preserved my life was to step into a fresh anointing. Yes. Amen. Amen. He's anointed me with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just want to minister to people for just a few moments that you're considered to have some kind of terminal disease, incurable disease. Would you stand right now? And I want to minister to you by the laying on of hands. Hallelujah. Would everybody stand and and you guys come on up, if you will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Now, Richard, it just wouldn't be right that old Robert's son be in this room and not join with me in this prayer. Praise God. So would you do so? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I, I will give you daddy's shoes back one day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would you stretch your hands out toward all these folks? Let's believe God. I want a miracle in Jay's body. Jay's one of my alumni. I don't want him suffering anymore. he got too much to do for God. Thank you, Father. Jim, praise God. Father, we lay hands on our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Father, we thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage And that's what this is. Every time they have to deal with these symptoms, it's bondage. And your anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. And we speak divine health, recovery, in the name of Jesus into Jay's body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we lay hands on Jim. And we continue to stay in faith regarding his health, his recovery. Father, this is a, a, a man that has been faithful to this ministry, been faithful to the Lord. You honor faith. And I thank you, Father, that every symptom must bow to the power and the authority of In the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Pray over her, Richard.
2: Take authority over this satanic attack of the devil. You foul thing. You take your hands off of
1: her. Yes. In the name of Jesus. And
2: set her free. In the name of Jesus. And may she live the works of the Lord.
1: Yes, Father.
2: In Jesus' name.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Betty has been a vital part of this ministry for many, many years. A partner. And, Lord, it's not right that she suffered that she be in pain in the name of Jesus by his stripes Betty Sherrick is healed she'd been healed 2,000 years in the name of Jesus now body you respond to the word of the living God and we thank you for it hallelujah thank you father Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come on, continue to pray in the Holy Ghost. One, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Not going to be, is free. Right now, free. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for your anointing flowing into him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kathleen, you are the healed. You are the redeemed. And the Bible clearly states... That we should be saying so. I agree with the Word of God, not the symptoms. I agree with the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pray for her, Richard. Cynthia, In the name. the
2: authority of the name of the Lord Jesus. We lay hands on you. We rebuke this attack. We curse it at the very root. We take authority over it and call it out. Thank Come you, out. Lord. Come out. Come out. In the name Jesus of Jesus. And we receive it with you by faith and call you the healed of the Lord in Jesus name
1: hallelujah thank you father come on let's give the Lord a good shout Tanya in the name of Jesus by his stripes you were healed redeemed and set free by the power of the living God Body You respond to God's word In the name of Jesus And every symptom Bow To the anointing of God And we give you praise for it Hallelujah Thank you Father Thank you Father Come on give the Lord another shout of praise Thank you, Lord.
0: Hallelujah.